This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hartman. Well, uh, it's a quiet week of recess and uh, this morning the First Minister resigned. Um, let's hear an audio clip. Since my very first moments in the job, I have believed that part of serving well would be to know almost instinctively when the time is right to make way for someone else. And when that time came, to have the courage to do so, even if to many across the country and in my party, it might feel too soon. In my head and in my heart, I know that time is now, that it is right for me, for my party and for the country. And so today I am announcing my intention to step down as First Minister and leader of my party. Katie, why now? Well, I think this is the question lots are asking today. And um, now Nicola Sturgeon, as we just heard from that clip, was talking about the personal pressure, um, the role of First Minister, which she's been in for eight years, but obviously in frontline politics for longer than that has taken on her. She spoke about she had family members who used to be younger and now they're older and um, the passage of time <laughs> and how you are in a way robbed of opportunities to to have some of these moments because it's a job that demands so much now i think lots of people will emphasize a bit with that the strain of frontline politics but ultimately it's not why most people believe that nicola sturgeon has chosen to go now it's been quite clear for some time that the grip on her party uh, you know it's been loosening you had different rows but i think most significantly i think independence and then the gender reform bill i think has just added to that so there was interesting polling yesterday about how i think a majority of scots back rishi sunak for blocking that piece on uh, gender self-id that legislation which I, th- I think therefore was adding to the sense that it was a gamble that has backfired by her decision to push it through but more so nicola sturgeon has had a part of the party that's going very restive for the reason that smp exists which is scottish independence she um called a referendum last year that she didn't have the power to call it went to the courts and while it did give SNP politicians something to say in the sense of look at Westminster and the courts frustrating the will of the Scottish people I think it also just highlighted that she was running out of road and options when it comes to delivery on independence we know there is going to be well there is going to be a special SNP conference where Nicola Sturgeon's plan to make uh, the general election uh, you know a de facto referendum was being queried by some in her party some who thought you're actually you know, putting lamps to the slaughter if you're going to send out SNP MPs in the middle of a cost of living crisis and potentially say that was, you know, this is this is what you should be voting for. And they were worried about that. And I think it's all coming to a head. You've also got legal issues involving, you know, members of in, you know, her own partner. And I think it's, it's all got to a point where it really did seem as though Nicola Sturgeon was running out of road and her personal approval ratings were, were not looking as good as they used to be. And that is why she's decided to go now. Isabel, what did you make of that resignation speech earlier? Well, it was it was typical Nicola Sturgeon in that she's someone who likes to defensively control the narrative. So she was preempting the fact that some people were going to be very critical of her and that some people uh, were going to uh, cope just fine uh, with her leaving um, politics. I mean, she was quite emotional, as, as you'd expect, and she sounded slightly 
out of breath in terms of um, emotion as she started off her resignation statement, saying that she had been thinking for some weeks now, oscillating between uh, the position that actually now was the time to go and then being unsure about that, knowing that the right thing to do was to step aside for the good of the country and for the good of the independence movement. Katie alluded to uh, the gender reforms being a significant ingredient in the unrest in the SNP and the wider independence movement. And I think it's really important to reflect on why they've been so potent. One of those reasons is that up until this point, the SNP has been such a united force where you've got this huge collection of different views, all unified and silenced under the brand, under the banner of Scottish independence. The saying we should for Indy is, is very well known uh, within the independence movement that you'll just put up with stupid policies of, you know, poor government record and so on uh, in the cause of Scotland leaving the rest of the United Kingdom. That fell apart with the gender recognition reforms. The SNP had obviously already started to splinter over the Alex Salmond case uh, with the creation of Alex Salmond's ALBA party and his case for a supermajority for independence. And that's something, again, that Nicola Sturgeon alluded to in her resignation statement, where she talked about the need for somebody to unify the independence movement and that she wasn't the right person to do that anymore because her name had become associated with division and that there were caricatures of her that uh, made it very difficult to have reasoned debates about straightforward and indeed complex policies. So again, that was a coded uh, but not explicit reference to the gender recognition reforms. Um, it was really interesting listening to her interpretation of what her legacy was. We've got this uh, very popular post on Coffee House by our colleague Michael on uh, on her leadership in a series of graphs, which I really would recommend you had a look at if you haven't already seen. But she had her own list towards the end of the press conference. Uh, it included childcare, which I think is a, an interesting one, given how many private nurseries in Scotland are, are struggling, given it's not that much cheaper um, to have a, in fact, indeed, hardly cheaper at all to, to have a child in the nursery system uh, in Scotland and is uh, in the rest of the UK. Uh, she talked about the baby boxes, which are um, uh, very well known. She said Scotland is fairer today, which is a statement that the SNP likes to make a lot that was based on taxation and benefits. Then she said stronger protections for domestic abuse victims and creating institutions that would help Scotland to become independent, including some new agencies and uh, international trade hubs. I think those would arguably be outweighed by the legacy in education and the health service, uh, which the second of which has been particularly weighing on the First Minister over the past few months. She's been having regular press conferences with her health minister, Humza Yousaf, where she's had to say that she has confidence in Yousaf, uh, that the Scottish government is handling the crisis in the Scottish NHS best as it can and so on. I, you know, I think that's going to be a big issue for, for all the parties across the across the UK with their respective health services. Uh, but I think the list that she offered today of her legacy is not weighty enough in comparison to the failure to obviously achieve independence, uh, the failure to stop Brexit, the failure in the health systems and the education systems. Katie, Nicola's gone. Who's next? 
So I think what's interesting is because Nicola Sturge has been such a big character. Now, this has, I think, come out of the blue for many who are, who are watching on. I think the ministers I've spoken to, even, you know, some of the Scottish MPs are surprised. But at the same time, it was quite clear Nicola Sturge was in trouble. And lots of people were saying, you know, she is done. I think just the timescale uh people did not expect to be so quick uh, for example and therefore it says something to how much space she has occupied in politics so there's not a really obvious candidate to step in now we do have the favorites so i think if you speak to mps they think angus robertson um who of course was an mp now an msp he is someone who was smp's westminster leader during his time in the commons they think that could be quite a safe pair of hands very uh, pro-eu likes to speak speaks with confidence and you've also got kate forbes uh, obviously close to nicola sturgeon has recently been on maternity leave I think she is someone who seems very competent as you know the finance role she's had but she's also you know a a strong Christian and then you do wonder in terms of part of what Nicola Sturgeon was doing with the gender reform bill was uh, you know trying to show how progressive the SNP were and I I wonder if some of you could end up in a bit of a and Isabel knows lots about this a Tim Farron situation whereby you we spent so much time in this podcast previously when you know you're trying to talk about things that your party wants to and people say well how does this correspond to your faith and, and I wonder if you'll start to hear you know people who don't want that person putting that one out there and um, you Youssef who is ultimately in the health role that Isabel was just talking about I think that's seen as someone to look out for and then some in Westminster think actually keep an eye on Stephen Flynn he was the person who in the successful push to move Ian Blackford out the way, is now the Westminster leader, though obviously has a lot less experience and also doesn't have a seat in Holyrood. And then outside, I think unlikely, but some people do find very impressive is Joanna Cherry. Obviously a KC, really good advance in the cause, but fell out a lot of people over opposition to the gender reform bill. And she's also seen as someone who, you know, is a salmon ally. And I think what would be interesting in this leadership contest, if there isn't, an obvious favourite if it exposes the divisions which is the great hope amongst the unionists is that we now end up in a world of SNP infighting where the coalition of SNP supporters is one where Nicola Sturgeon has managed to keep it fairly together but this exposes some of this and that creates an opportunity for Scottish Labour which could be the political winner here I think if you look at where those votes might go even though I think whilst you know there are some Tory MPs who are saying this morning brilliant news for the union perhaps not so good news for us if you you think about the opportunity for Labour in terms of if the SNP struggle as a result of this and Scottish Labour make the gains it makes the chance of a Labour landslide a large majority much higher. So Isabel poll out two days ago showing no to independence on 56% on the day after um, September 2014 it was 55% no nine years Nicola Sturgeon success or failure? I mean, I think she has been a success in terms of bringing soft unionist voters into the SNP fold. So after Alex Salmon stood down as first minister and Nicola Sturgeon took over, it was largely said, well, you know, she's never going to have the magnetism that that man had. He was, you know, a once in a generation politician. Uh, She's going to really struggle. Actually, what then happened was... You, you, know, you went anywhere in Scotland and you were confronted by these massive billboards with Nicola Sturgeon's face and a stronger voice for Scotland next to it. And that led to the 2015 election SNP landslide where you had these, you know, uh, 
seats that were so Labour that the Labour MPs barely did any work, which was a, a story and an issue in, in and of itself, uh, that just went clunk straight over to the SNP. And I remember a, a moment um, for those who doubted Nicola Sturgeon was when she sold out the Glasgow Hydro for, for a political rally. And that was when people started to realise that actually she may be more appealing than Alex Salmon. So in terms of bringing people who weren't independent supporters, but who did feel that Scotland didn't have a strong voice in Westminster, into voting SNP, she was a huge success. But she was beginning to fail to keep the independence movement together. So we had, obviously, the the split of the Alba party, that very visceral, bitter battle over... um, Alex Salmond and uh, the accusations in court against him. And then we had this split uh, that was opening up even more as people saw how impractical the gender recognition reform legislation was over whether this was the right thing to be spending time on. I think, as Katie said, Labour benefits hugely from this. Uh, Scottish <coughs> Labour is in a much better position uh, than it was a few years ago it's it's got a you know a charismatic leader who's worked really hard on on its recovery it's back in a position where it can move the unionist vote on from the the sort of core that are supporting the tories and on to those who uh, would never back tories but would consider returning to labor but also who is going to be as scary as nicola sturgeon to put keir starmer in their pocket on a tory poster that's something that Conservatives are rightly dismayed about uh, because that was going to be a key part of uh, campaigning in the run-up to the next election, that Keir Starmer was going to jump into some kind of deal with the big, bad, scary SNP led by Nicola Sturgeon. And uh, that was a, you know, a way to prevent Labour winning the next election. Now, I, I'm speaking to you from Scotland. I know that a lot of people, a lot of my neighbours, a lot, lot of people I know up here, um, a lot of people I just meet will just refer to Nicola Sturgeon as that woman. And no one ever asks who they mean because there's only one that woman in the whole of Scotland. I don't think there's another figure yet who's got that same branding. I'm not sure Sturgeon would necessarily want a that woman branding, but at that, that level of recognition, but also that level of... Um, fear uh, in, in some unionist voters and, and voters in other parts of the UK as well. So that was a, a, a political success of hers and could be the failure of the SNP in the coming years. A successful politician who failed perhaps in our overall mission. A fascinating discussion that's only going to run and run. Uh, thank you, Isabel. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.